Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Broadcasting live from Annapolis, Maryland, formerly the home of Tim Lynch, and for a while, Will Costantini, never the home of Jeff Kinney or myself. Um, although, oddly enough, I wrote papers about the Naval Academy when I was a kid, but it never actually occurred to me that I might go to college there, uh, which I, I still, in retrospect, think is odd, uh, on the day of my number two son's uh, wedding. So, uh, uh, last night, had his rehearsal dinner, and uh, it's awesome. His buddies are now captains in the Marine Corps. One's a special agent in the FBI. Uh, so, got to hang out with them a little bit. And uh, so, great time here in, uh, in the humid, shitty weather of the East Coast. All right? One more reason not to live here. Um, and you forget how gooey and humid it gets here. Reminded of it last night. But other than that, it was awesome. Joining me from uh, um, Odessa, Texas, is Tim Lynch. Where the hell is McAllen, Texas? Something. <laughs> Odessa. Some shithole yeah, shit in Texas. Tim Lynch. Tim, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. You know, the distance from here to Odessa would put you, it's bigger than Afghanistan almost. Just, just to point that out. Don't count on it. Afghanistan's not that small, bro. I know you, everybody in Texas think it's the biggest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, here's the bad news. It ain't. Um and from the greater Kansas City area, Will Costantini. Will, how are you? I'm uh just great, Mac. Well, actually, truth be told, you're beyond great. <laughs> yeah, I am beyond great. That's always true. Rumor has it you fleeced some retirees last night. Is it so you had a good night? So you're better than happy? Uh, yeah, it took me more of the afternoon and into the early evening uh, to fully relieve them. And, uh, <laughs> and truth be told, I probably made two mistakes, or it could have gotten it could have gotten a lot worse for them. But you know, that's how the game's played. There you go. There you go. The um and from Southern California, Jeff Kenny. Jeff, how are you? Good. I'm breaststroking my way from above average to excellence outstanding. Wow. I'm getting better every minute. <laughs> well, congratulations. The um, Let's see. Just so everybody knows, for whatever reason, Jeff's connection is a little off because it just sounded like he was slurring his words. Okay? He's drinking coffee this morning, and that's his internet connection. So don't anybody jump to any conclusions. Um let me tell you Although what. It would be fair if they did. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the um. Let me tell you what we're gonna do today. We're gonna do uh, a quick little intel and then ops update, and then uh, we're gonna play the question and answer part of the uh, press conference that appeared that happened yesterday with the Secretary of Defense and uh, the Chairman. And uh, well, I think it's the day before yesterday. And so the, the Q&A is pretty interesting. The response is pretty interesting. So what we'll do is we'll play uh, a question, their responses. We'll hit pause, and then we'll kick it around a little bit. Um, 
And so uh, with that said, Tim, you want to give us the Greater Afghanistan, Kabul, and then the airport update? Sure, Will. In the great, Greater Afghanistan, uh, there is a news blackout vacuum. We don't know of anything that's occurred significant events-wise. We're relatively certain we would had something of uh, of, of sizable event or atrocity occurred. I'm pretty certain we'd know about it. It is obvious that the Internet is up throughout the entire country and the cell phone towers are up. And the Taliban would, in the past, shut down the shell towers when they wanted to in order to gain control of an area. And they would insist that they were off at night so they could get up to their malfeasance without unmolested by, by missiles. So it's interesting that those things are up. In Kabul, all eyes on the airport. Tear gas was deployed yesterday to try to get the crowd back. I've got, I believe, five families stacked outside the East Gate. Not one of them got through yesterday. I don't know what's happening. And again, we're amongst this uh, this crowd are American passport holders, which is American. And uh, and it's so I don't know what's happening. I believe that it has to. We have to do something about getting the people screened and out of there faster. Right now, the problem isn't the air bridge. It's not aircraft seats that we're lacking. It's bodies to put in those seats because the screening is 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 not up to the task at hand. It would appear to me. I don't know how it could be. All right. Well, Jeff, anything on the op side that, that you're seeing um, that is uh, would would break squelch? No, I haven't seen any changes since uh, what we talked about yesterday, uh, really. Uh, and I was kind of asking around, you know, people that I know. Uh, there's uh, there's there's probably there's PTDO orders for units, um, but I don't think that's to go into uh to Afghanistan, it might be to move it a little bit closer to, uh, you know, into the Suncom area, but uh, nothing really, you know, the, uh, those were all like rumors of war, you know what I mean? Right. Nothing that I would, uh, you know, that, that I know, put it that way. Got it. Will, anything, any observations on the op side? Uh, no, the, I, I would just say in the news that I monitor, which is not the mainstream news, um, it's overwhelmed by the political internal U.S. political wrangling. Right. I actually didn't see any numbers reported yesterday on the vacuum. I saw really nothing that had to do with Afghanistan yesterday, or, or you know, from yesterday's show till today. Got it. Um, all right, um, but I think it's uh, interesting. Uh, you know that Tim, there's n- no reported. Um, there's no reported atrocities across the country, which I think the, has the nation has the world's attention. And um, I, you know, I, as I said, I I uh, posted something um, that the Wall Street Journal wrote that we'll get to here in a little bit. Uh, uh, the and I I keep track of Richard Engel and the stuff that 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 he posts and so um so he continues to post pictures of you know afghans sitting you know festival style style on the floor of a c-17 that's from 17 hours ago um and then other than that not a steady stream so anyway um nothing on his twitter feed break squelch so what i'd like to do now is just begin to play this uh the audio from this uh this press conference and uh 
and I think I, I think you'll find it interesting. Uh, a bunch of the things that we've spoken about are going to get brought up here, and you're going to hear uh, the answers of the people that lead the Department of Defense. So, and then I'll pause it, and then uh, we'll kick it around. So here you go. All right, a little post-production editing here. Um, because of our expeditionary nature, um, I'm going to play the whole 15, 17 minute of the press conference, and then we'll show up on the backside of that. We will show up on the backside of that, and, and you'll hear us kind of talking about uh, the different questions that get asked. But this is the Q&A portion of the press conference that the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, General Mark Milley, uh, were involved with uh, two days ago. Thank you, John. Uh, I have a question for each of you gentlemen, if I may. Uh, Mr. Secretary, you mentioned the urgency of wrapping up the pace of the evacuation. Uh, so you have a safe passage agreement with the Taliban. But in fact, in some cases, uh, American citizens, uh, Afghans who are at risk or who are being advised to go to the airport are unable to get into the airport because of Taliban checkpoints and so forth. Um, uh, so are you considering other ways that you can get around that problem by, for example, sending forces out beyond the airport to collect people and bring them, escort them into to the airport? If I may ask uh, General Milley. Um, with the rapid collapse of the Afghan forces, there's uh, large amounts of uh, weaponry that are kind of out there now that were either surrendered or uh, abandoned by the Afghan forces or otherwise captured by the Taliban. Um, are there ways you can, uh, are you considering ways that you might destroy some of that equipment uh, uh, to avoid it falling into the Taliban's hands? Thanks, Bob. Uh, in terms of whether or not uh, we intend to send forces outside of, uh, of the airfield to, uh, to collect up uh, uh, American citizens or Afghans who are uh, special immigrant visa uh, applicants, uh, the forces that we have are, are focused on security of the airfield. And you know how important that is, and you know what happens uh, if, we, if we lose uh, the ability to provide uh, that security. Uh, and, and so I don't want to detract from that. And, and we have to make sure that we can not only secure the airfield, but as the chairman said, defend it as well, uh, because there are a number of threats uh, still in the, in the environment. Uh, I certainly don't want to do anything to make the airfield less safe, and, and we won't do that. Uh, but we will continue to uh, coordinate and deconflict uh, with uh, with the Taliban and make sure that uh, those folk, those those uh, people that need to get to the airfield uh, have the right uh, credentials uh, to to ensure uh, passage and and the Taliban will, has been checking those credentials and it's, if they have them they have allowed them to pass. So. And on the equipment, Bob, we we obviously have capabilities, but I, I'd prefer not to discuss. Uh, any operations other than uh, what we're doing right now in order to get our evacuation out and get that complete. And then there'll be another time when we can discuss future operations. Uh, Mark. I would like to press both of you on the same points. General Milley, you say in your statement that one of your tasks is to evacuate all American citizens from Afghanistan who desire to leave. There are Americans clearly all over Kabul. There may be Americans in other parts of the country. 
how can the U.S., the Pentagon, live up to that task of evacuating all Americans? Because we continue to see the violence just outside the airport, and how would you get them in, uh, around the country unless you go get them? Well, two, two things, Barbara. Uh, one is State Department, as you know, as I said, is working uh, with the Taliban to facilitate safe passage of American citizens, U.S. passport holders, to the airport. Um, and um, that's the primary means, and under the current conditions, uh, that's the primary effort. We have capability to do other things if necessary. Well, can I ask you what that means? Because you also said there were international special forces there that have the capability to extract, and those words suggest very clearly in the military realm you would go get people. Well, that would be a policy decision, and if directed, we have capabilities that can execute whatever we're directed. Thank you. Louis. And I would draw a distinction, uh, Barb, between extracting uh, someone in an in extremist condition or, or, or circumstance versus uh, going out and collecting up large numbers of, uh, of American citizens. Do you have the capability to go out and collect Americans? We don't have the capability to go out and collect up large uh, numbers of, of, uh, of people, Barb. Louis, go ahead. Um, for both of you, if I could. Um, you have 5,000 um, U.S. military personnel on the ground securing the area. You have small groups, potentially, of Taliban fighters outside there who are holding up uh, potentially the second largest NEO uh, that could be undertaken. You have the capability to get there, but how do you get those people inside uh, so that they can actually get on those planes? And both of you have served in major command roles inside Afghanistan. Did you not see the possibility that the Afghan security forces were not up to this fight? Um, we continue to work with, uh, with the State Department uh, uh, officials on the ground uh, to improve uh, the, the uh, procedures uh, you know, at the entry points to make sure that we can speed up the process of getting people in and move them onward. And, and so a state is deploying more uh, consular officers to be able to, to help with that. Uh, as we stated, or as I stated earlier, we're going to uh, push more military uh, assistance down to the entry points uh, to facilitate uh, uh, these efforts. But we're really working hard uh, to get as many people through uh, as possible. And quite frankly, we're not, we're, it's obvious, we're not close to where we want to be in terms of getting the numbers through. So we're going to work that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we're going to get everyone uh, that we can possibly uh, evacuate, evacuate it. And I'll do that as long as we possibly can until the clock runs out or we run out of capability. And, and, uh, uh, and also about the Afghan security forces, did you feel that they were ever up to this fight or did you not see this coming, that they were not up to the fight? Well, I stood behind this podium and it said that the Afghan security forces had the capacity, and by that I mean uh, they had the training, the size, the capability, uh, to defend their country. Uh, this comes down to an issue of will and leadership. Um, and no, I did not, nor did anyone else, see a collapse of an army that size in 11 days. Idris. Thank you. So August 31st is the end date. At what point does the military need to start thinking about and carrying out its own retrograde to meet that deadline? And secondly, do you believe 
or do you regret not starting the evacuation a bit earlier, even by a day or two, to sort of get ahead of the curve? So that's a great question. At what point do we start thinking about having to retrograde our own capabilities? Uh, that's, uh, that's actually the point before we put them in there. Uh, we know that uh, we got to have the right mix of capabilities uh, on, the, on the ground. Uh, we don't want to put uh, excessive uh, materials on the ground that, that are not relevant to what we're doing. Uh, and, uh, and we have to develop a detailed plan uh, and to, to uh, retrograde our equipment and our people and synchronize that plan with our efforts to get as many people out as fast as we can, uh, you know, with the time that we have available. So that, that, that work is, uh, uh, is something that we started thinking about very early on, and that's something that we'll continue to think about and develop de- detailed plans for. And regretting not starting the evacuation even a few days earlier. Who's that for, Idris? Either one. We, you know, we make plans for a number of things, and, and clearly, as the chairman pointed out, uh, we, uh, as we did detailed planning throughout, we recognized that there might be a, a, a point in time when we'd have to conduct a NEO. So we positioned all the, all the right uh, forces in theater to be able to do that. We put forces on standby in the United States to, to support that. And, of course, uh, you know, we, we also did, uh, were in support of the, uh, of the uh, state-led um, SIV, process, SIV applicant process throughout. So in terms of, you know, doing everything that we could as, at, the, at the right time, I think we, I think we have been, been pretty prudent in terms of thinking ahead and, and planning for contingencies, and we're executing uh, a, a, one of those plans right now. So. Helene? Uh, this question is for both of you, and I'd like for both of you to answer. Um, it seems like, I know we keep harping on the same thing, but it feels like the video is not matching the audio right now. If barring, it, it seems to me like barring a lobotomy by the Taliban, you have three pathways ahead of you. Uh, one, you can expand the perimeter and establish a corridor into Kabul to get our Afghan allies out. Two, you can extend the th- August 31st deadline of withdrawing. Or three, you can just leave the tens of thousands of Afghans who've helped us over the past 20 years behind. Which one is it going to be? Well, first of all, uh, as I said, Helene, we're going to evacuate everybody that we can physically possibly uh, evacuate. And we'll, we'll conduct uh, these uh, 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 this process for as long as we possibly can. Uh, we will continue to uh, deconflict uh, issues with uh, with the Taliban, and we will stay focused on securing uh, the uh, the airfield. We cannot afford to either not defend that airfield or or, or not have an airfield that's secure where we have hundreds or thousands of civilians uh, that can access uh, uh, the airfield at will and put our forces at risk. But that doesn't answer the question. I mean, you're still saying you're focused on the airfield. They, these people can't get into the airfield. Well, we're going to do everything we can to uh, continue to try to uh, deconflict uh, and and create uh, uh, passageways for them to get to the airfield. I don't have the capability to go out and and extend operations currently into uh, into uh, Kabul. 
And, and where do you take that? I mean, how far can you extend into Cabo, you know, and, uh, and, and how long does it take to flow those forces in to be able to do that? So it sounds like you're saying this depends on diplomacy with the Taliban. That's it. That's our only option, is getting them to agree to do this. Well, let me add something here, Helene. Um, we got a couple of uh, entry control points set up, um, a north one, an east one, and a, and, a, and a third one at Abbey Gate. Uh, they're currently manned with consular officers, Marines. This is all part of the perimeter. Messages have gone out um, by various means of communication from the State Department to American citizens and others, uh, and they're being told to go to those gates. Right now, uh, we're processing at about, um, I think the last report was about 120, 130 an hour, something like that, at the north, uh, and about 340, 350 an hour, something like that, at the south gate. So right now, the, there's a steady flow of people. Um, now, as that goes on, I think those numbers will continue to grow, and as those messages go out, um, and and I would tell you that for the American citizens, passport holders, uh, the Taliban and the State Department are working out a facilitation, I got it, but they're working out a facilitation measure. Um, so those numbers are likely to grow. Uh, for the others, uh, the State Department is still working through exactly getting the procedures for, uh, for the evacuees to get to the airfield. We'll get it, Jen. Um, Defense Secretary Austin, um, how many U.S. taxpayer-funded military aircraft have been flown out of the country, and what are you doing to get those back? We've heard of Afghan pilots taking those planes to third countries. And General Milley, you talk about the intelligence reports, and you said there wasn't anything suggesting 11 days that, uh, that Kabul would fall. But you do mention there were some reports suggesting um, it could fall apart in weeks. If so, why did you abandon the Bagram airfield? Why did U.S. military pull out, uh, given the uncertainty? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, Jen, in terms of The aircraft that have been flown out uh, that you that you mentioned earlier, I have received reports of a number of aircraft that were flown into Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. Uh, exactly how many, uh, you know, I, I don't have firm numbers on. In terms of what we're doing about them currently, uh, right now, Jen, we're we're focused on uh, the airfield and, and getting people out safely, and so we're going to take that issue up uh, at a later date, and we're going to continue to try to gain greater fidelity on the issue as well. And on your question of Bagram, uh, securing Bagram, you know how big Bagram is. You've been there many times. Securing Bagram is a, is a significant level of military effort and forces. Uh, and it would also require external support from the Afghan security forces. Our task, uh, given to us at that time, our task was to protect the embassy uh, in order for, uh, for the embassy personnel uh, to continue to function with their consul services and all that. Uh, if we were to keep both Bagram and the embassy going, uh, that would be a significant number of military forces that would have exceeded what we had or stayed the same or, or exceeded what we had. So uh, it had to collapse one or the other, uh, and a decision was made, the proposal was made from CENTCOM commander and the commander on the ground, Scotty Miller, to go ahead and collapse Bagram. Uh, that was all briefed and approved, and we estimated that the risk of going out of Kaya, well, the risk of going out of Bagram, about the same. So going out of Kaya is, uh, was, es- going out of Kaya is uh, was estimated to be the, the better tactical solution. Yeah, in accordance with the mission set that we're given and in accordance uh, with the, getting the troops down to about a 600, 600, 700 number. Okay, we've got time for two more, and I haven't got to the phones at all, so we'll uh, go to Dan Lamoth from The Washington Post. Uh, yes, thank you. 
Thank you. Uh, General, just to follow up on, on the Bagram versus uh, HKIA question, HKIA has a single runway uh, with the commercial airport making it much more difficult to defend that runway. We've already seen that this week. Bagram has two runways. It would have been a lot easier to protect people once inside. Is there any thought of retaking Bagram in order to expedite this evacuation? And if not, why not? Um, I won't. Good question. Great question. But I'm not going to discuss branches and sequels off of our current operation. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, and I think the last one for today will go to you, Court. Uh, you know, General Milley, you, you keep saying that the, no one expected a collapse of the Afghan government and, mil- and military in 11 days, but the reality is the Taliban offensive began weeks ago. They were threatening Kandahar a month ago already. So the question is, if, if you both think you had such a moral obligation to these Afghan Afghans who supported the military and State Department for 20 years, should you have pushed harder when the Taliban offensive began to get these people out, and they, the U.S., they may not be in this situation that they're in right now. And then also, if there is this U.S. military Taliban deconfliction process that's going on right now, has, have you been asking them to allow the Afghans through, and have they, has the Taliban denied that, that request? Is, is that why there, there's not some effort? The State Department put out, a, or the embassy put out a, a statement today saying that there was that the U.S. couldn't provide any safe passage for these Afghans. Is, is that because the Taliban won't allow that in these deconflictions? There's a, it's, a pretty, it's a very dynamic uh, environment, as you would imagine. And, of course, there, there have been things that have occurred that, uh, that you know, we do hear reports of, of people uh, getting turned away from, uh, from, by checkpoints. Uh, we've gone back and tried to and, and reinforce to the Taliban that if they have uh, credentials, they need to be uh, allowed through. And so that's working better than it was. And, and quite frankly, we have, uh, you know, the, the, the major issue right now is process, processing the people who are there uh, as, as fast as we possibly can. Uh, it's not a dearth of people, you know, uh, getting there. It's, it's just uh, being able to move the folks that are there through uh, so, that, uh, so that we can get them on aircraft. But uh, there have been some some unfortunate incidents that I've been uh, I've learned about, and uh, and we continue to work to try to deconflict and make sure that there is safe passage uh, for the people that are trying to get to the airport. Have you asked the Taliban, or has the military asked the Taliban to allow these Afghans through, and they've declined? We, we continue to work that. Yes, we have. We we, we have uh, gone back and and, and emphasized that the, that that. Uh, People uh, who are trying to get to the airport and have the have the uh, uh, the right credentials need to be allowed through. Because right now the airport represents safety to a lot of these people. As the Taliban are in Kabul, they're worried that the longer they wait to get there, it's a secure airport. Even you know, even if it means they wait there several days to get on a flight. So that's why there's this this you know this freneticism to get them through. And then also, if you could also address the question of should you have pushed harder when it was clear that this Taliban offensive was gaining momentum, you know, a month ago down towards Kandahar and other places? Well, like I said up front, there's going to be plenty of time for AARs. Uh, right now, focus on the mission, focus on the people getting out, American citizens, the SIVs, others, Afghans at risk. Uh, and there's going to be plenty of time to talk about regrets and push to order and all these other kinds, intel assessment, et cetera. Plenty of time to do AARs. Right now is not that time. Thanks, guys. We're going to have to go. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right. That was cut number one. Uh, I think it was asked by David Gregory. Uh, evacuation of U.S. citizens and lots of equipment left out there. 
uh, is the way he phrased the question. Um, men, thoughts on uh, thoughts on the response? Yes. I, well, the obvious thing is is uh, you know they're saying there's no capability to go out and get people, and that's a that's a bald faced lie. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure there's a place on earth that I would be afraid to go with a Marine rifle company. Right. You know, I've been in Sarajevo. I've been in West Africa. I've been in Iraq. I was a tourist in Afghanistan and I'm not sure there's a place on earth. I'd be afraid to go with a Marine rifle company, but the secretary of defense that we says we have no capability to go out and pick people up. And then he said, we have no capability to pick up large numbers. So maybe that's how he's caveating it. Now we got plenty of capability. We don't have the will and we're afraid. Yeah. We're afraid right. to take a casualty or worst case scenario for the current administration is if we had an American uniformed American fall into enemy hands. So it's got nothing to do with capability. It's got to do with will. And, and that characterizes the whole, both guys' statements, you know, when questioning. It's like uh, they give their personally, their, um, their assigned constraints that they put on where too many people to do Bagram and the embassy at the same time, too dangerous to go out and get people. You All know, right, well, hold on, Jeff, around, hold on, Jeff. I just, Jeff, I, I, I want to focus on the first question first, and then we'll get to the, yeah, re- okay. to the rest of it. So well, Okay, well, fine. That's what, that's what they do. They say you know, don't have the capability. And, and it's just like Will said, they decided what the, what capability they have, and then they just assign that like to the like the force of physics. Can't be done. You know? And uh and, and that's the that's the weakness of this whole thing. And the reason they'd say that is because what it comes down to is they've been directed to not do anything beyond have a have a half assed perimeter around that air that airport and accept people in and, and assign them to aircraft. And pretty much that's all they're doing. Give them a bottle of water, show them where the portageons are. You know? Timmy? Uh, the beauty of being in the uh, Nightingale position is I don't have to repeat what Will just said, only I have to observe that the Brits, who have a battalion in there, they seem to have the ability to go out and get people, and that is uh, another humiliation uh, to, to the American fighting man because they don't trust us to go out and do the right thing. Will said he'd go anywhere with a Marine rifle company, so would I. And I would know that they would do the right thing and not precipitate disaster because we're not amateurs, but we're being led by amateurs. You know, the thing that I thought of when I, when I heard the Secretary of Defense say we don't have the capability is, wait a minute, you define the capability. So as you right. as you and your planners went down this road and and then you played the what if thing, you're the one that said, you know, 6,000, right? It's not too hard to envision this scenario, you know, with planners. All you got to do is look at historical examples and say, okay, what was the going in proposition? What happened while they were on the ground? How did we do that? Where would we need to position forces? What would we, what would we need to position, you know, to plan for these caveats? So, you know, if if the capability doesn't exist, is because you didn't you didn't define it, you didn't get it in position. 
because you've had plenty of time to plan for this eventuality, and everybody, just about everybody knew at some point we would have to do this, you know, and if you're that, and, and again, right, he said, you know, in, in, in the past several days that, you know, he had no indication. Okay, but when you actually do conduct a NEO, you know, as Jeff is, and Will has talked about, permissive, non-permissive, permissive, and you've got to be able to respond to both of those. So you're the one that capped your own capability, you know, and then we look awful stupid when you have evidently the French are going out there, too, to get French citizens. The Brits are going out there to get Brits. But the United States, we got to stay at the airbase. So I I mean, we're the ones who decided to pull out. And that's a NATO. I'm not a big fan of NATO, but there's 8000 other NATO troops that were willing to stay and and uh, and. You know, the, you could use them for. Uh, I mean, for, for the the people responsible for the perimeter around uh, Bagram were the Georgians, for Christ's sake. Now you could. Uh, and don't even mention that. The, the, their thing is either we had to go back to war in Afghanistan and lose thousands of guys. That's the. They're all saying the same narrative, or we just leave. You know, precipitously like this. We just yank the bandage off the wound. You know, and, and let it bleed. Got it. I mean, they didn't say that today. That was, you know, previously. We've all heard that. Got it. The, um, it was all about just what you said, Mac. They define they define these these uh, constraints, and then they act like it's the force of physics, like it's weather or something you can't do anything about. And that's not right. Right. No, that's a great way to put it too. Yeah, they they define the weather, and now they're now they're now they're complaining about it. Uh, second question, I think, asked by Bar- Barbara Starr. Um, she asks, how did you not know? Uh, your thoughts on the responses you heard to that? Well, I don't need the Nightingale position for this one because we've been talking about it for three days. This was a comprehensive intelligence failure that that where our allies and adversaries clearly in collusion with each other stopped fighting and turned all their attention to us and said, what are you going to do now? <laughs> I, I, It's... No, 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 but what, what are they going to say? Their responses to me. What, what did you think about, you know, the way they, they, they responded to that? They are awfully they adept no at explaining the unexplainable. Yeah, awfully adept at explaining the unresponsibility, uh, explaining the unexplicable. That, that, what could they say? I, what they were saying was flat out lies. Well, well, we just kept Jeff? repeating the same thing. We couldn't have done it any earlier. We couldn't have done we couldn't have. You know, there was no warning. We couldn't. No one ever. No one ever thought this could happen. Baloney. Baloney. Yeah. You know, this is. Uh, uh, I was going to say that uh, part of this is you can see the effort of the PAO to rehearse them. So they're they're reverting to their talking points on things in sort of a mechanical way. And. Uh, I saw, I think the secretary said no one saw potential collapse. Actually, I think uh, Millie said no one saw potential collapse. And, and, um, and, and, and Will, I think what he says is, and, and then he caveats that with, he continues, the collapse in 11 days, right? Yeah. So um, it, that's a, that's a, That is uh, beyond ridiculous uh, because uh, 
the president, yeah, so he caveats it with the 11 days because a president a month ago said, you know, you're not going to be flying helicopters off the roof of the embassy. And then when he was talking to Stephanopoulos a couple of days ago, he said, yeah, we were thinking it might collapse by December. Uh, so the president basically pointed out his own lie. And then, yeah, so they caveat it by saying no one saw it collapsing in 11 days. But they were predicting, I guess, internally it was going to collapse in a couple of months. And then apparently uh, State Department in Kabul was sending uh, traffic back to Main State, and I think they called it on the dissenters channel. So the State Department must have a thing where if you're not in agreement, you can go like non-retribution internally on a special channel to, to attempt to point out what you might disagree with. But they were saying apparently over the last month, as the momentum started uh, in the southwest and started rolling towards Kabul, that this thing is going faster than we thought. And so when when they say no one saw the potential collapse, no one saw the potential collapse in 11 days, either it's either a bald-faced lie or you're completely inept. Uh, and I fear, uh, well, I don't know which is worse. So I'll just leave it at that. All right. Yeah, they they cut off all communication, you know, with the uh, with the Afghan government ten days before, you know. So uh, no one thought it would it would, it would collapse. And when Bagram happened, they, they stopped talking. They didn't even tell them they were pulling out of Bagram in such a complete way. I mean, their Afghans were surprised, and so how would they know? You know, if you refuse to talk to somebody, how would you know? And uh, it's like the old uh, thing, you know, when we first, like three or four years after we got email, you would send a, a challenging email to somebody, particularly if he's senior to you, and they just don't answer you. That's the tactic. So the Afghans might have been putting out all kinds of signals, but if no one, if you refuse to listen, you won't hear it. And this way you're, you can stand up later on at a press conference and say, no one thought this would happen. Really? You know what everyone's thinking? You know what everyone's hearing? I mean, I guess so, because it's obvious they got past the word. We are accepting no blame and no responsibility, and we're not going to say this could have done any better. This was as good as it could get, and we deserve great credit, medals, and, you know, and, and so forth. And there, and uh, it, it's just not passing the smell test. It used to be the news, up until this happened, the news media wouldn't ask those second questions that Will talks about. They wouldn't ask the, follow, the obvious follow-up, how they are. How they are, and these guys aren't used to it. You know, um, let's see. Uh, let me just um, – in the third question, they get asked, did you not see the Afghan security forces collapsing? And then Millie's response is and, – and it has been throughout – he said this at a press conference a month or so ago. They have the capability – you know, the question is, do they have the will and the leadership? And so when asked, when when pushed on that question, did you not see it, right, he follows up with that. They had the, 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 the capability, any the capacity um, to do that. Um, then they get asked about your own retrograde. Uh, so but and, before we go there, can we talk about this idea they have the capability but not the will? Absolutely. 
I said, I, I, I heard him say that. And I was like, you motherfucker. The Secretary of Defense just stood up there and said, we don't have the capability to go out and get anyone. No, what we don't have is the will. Right. Now we're flipping it right back on the Afghans. Oh, they had all the capability to defend themselves. They didn't have the will. I'm like, look in the mirror. This is the greatest military force in the history of Earth wears the U.S. uniform. And we're going to leave people out there a mile from the airport in jeopardy because we don't have the guts to just tell people to mount up and go get them. That's called will. So it's, it's almost laughable when the senior leadership uh, pitches it right back to the Afghans. Well, they didn't have the will to defend themselves. Fuck you. I don't really feel strongly about it. (laughs) Timmy, Jeff, care to follow that? And I agree. That's exactly how I feel about it. You know, throughout the whole time, um, like when I was in advice, the first time in 9 and 10, the people who own the battle space wouldn't tell the Afghans what they were doing. Then they would bitch because the Afghans weren't effective in supporting them. I'm like, well, how about tell me at least? I'm their advisor. You know, it was like hard to get that. And the infuriating part was the after, you know, the after action was always, oh, the Afghans just aren't. You're not fucking telling them shit. You don't even tell them what you would tell, you know, the the, uh, you know, the the French or the fucking Germans or something like that. You don't tell them anything or we can't trust them. Well, (laughs) so it's like a vicious circle. And uh, Will's, you know, comments about uh, them saying that. Talk about not having will. We don't have the fucking will. That's it. He's right. We don't have the will to get our own people out of there. We don't have the will to make it, to even admit when we're, you can't ever get right until you admit you've been wrong. You'll always be fucked up until you admit the problem. So that's, this thing is just going to, you know, uh, they're going to inshallah, as we used to say, they're going to inshallah this thing right to the end. And my guess, we're going to leave Hold Americans. On. You have to, you have to leave, footnote. You have to foot. Note, inshallah. Inshallah is uh, is Dari word for, well, actually, it's an Arabic word for if God wills. And we heard it all the fucking time from Iraqis and from uh, from Afghans. You'd say, okay, we got to do this. We got to be here on time. Will you guys be here on time? Inshallah. So inshallah can mean maybe. It can mean yes. It can mean fuck you. It's a phrase that and we it, all heard. Yeah, and it shit happens, like, like, yeah. like, like it's a coincidence. Exactly. Like it's a coincidence when it's totally not. Uh, Timmy, yeah. any any thoughts on uh, they have the capacity? You're muted, Tim. Oh, you had me on the double mute, man. Well, my, you keep pounding apologies. on your keyboard, man. Yeah, no, I I muted myself. I'm I'm sorry. I'm communicating with somebody in Kabul right now. The um um on July 1st, I went back and listened to our podcast. Not only were we. Uh, um, apoplectic about this Bagram thing because none of us could figure out what the hell are you going to do to get out. But we covered these exact same points. We didn't see that it was going to collapse this fast. But on July 1st, both Jeff and I updated our prediction from it's going to settle out with Kabul controlling some and the Taliban controlling the other bits to I don't think they're going to stop the Taliban. We said that on July 1st. We Both Jeff and I yeah, changed our that was, opinion. That was the question Is was, will the major cities... Jalalabad, uh, Kandahar, Herat, 
um, and Kabul, well, they remain under the control, you know, because they have been the recipients of the big money. And the question mark was, hey, you know, the parts of Afghanistan stayed together as long as the money was flowing after the Russians left. Right. And uh, and so would there be any major fighting in the cities? And the narrative throughout has been no, 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 no. We had a nuanced argument about what, what in fact, major fighting meant once we got through that. And, and you did not see any major fighting. It was like, OK, all the deals are in. Right. Mm-hmm. All the yeah. deals are in. And then once we began to see those data points come up and, and they slowly migrated from small right to t- from territories right to, you know, uh, northern territories where they heretofore had not existed to medium sized cities. And then and, and I think it, that discussion came after Herat fell, if I'm not mistaken. And we were talking about the, the West and, and, and Southwest. And that's when you guys changed and said, yeah, this is done. So, yeah, I know, but Herat, Herat had not fallen. Herat didn't fall until last weekend. We were basing uh, that off we of what we were able – No, I, I, we were talking about li- giving up Bagram. That's what started no, us no, down no, no. It was It was something down on the southwestern border had happened. And no, that, no, no, you're thinking well, of Zaranj. You're, you're thinking of Naraj, yeah. No, you're Naraj. thinking of Zaranj, but that was that was two two weeks ago. That's what started this this sequence of collapse. In July first, we didn't see that, but we could see there was something up, and we're not there. I mean, I didn't see them collapsing this fast either. But I'm not an intelligence specialist, and and I'm not. That's not my job. But all three of the the four of us could spitball and say, well, this is going to be the problem. And we were apoplectic about how do you do this without Bagram? It's ridiculous. So those guys are trying to explain away malfeasance and incompetence. And if you know what the heck a kabuki dance is, they are very good at it. But it's disgusting. All right. Next question was yeah, when Minister Ministry of Defense collapses. But the Minister of Defense is still in there. And he's a big player in the post-collapse uh, negotiation. I mean, that means he's guilty. That means he's he's in on it. He's in on he's in on he's in on the deal. He's the deal. Guilty he, of what? Being smart about dealing with Americans? What would you do if you were an Abdullah? No, Abdul right. But I mean, yeah. I'm just saying. How yeah. did they collapse so fast? They collapsed so fast because it was from the absolute fucking top. Right. That's exactly. why. That's why. You know. The um. All right. Um, next, they pretty pointed question. It appears to me that you have three options: you can expand your perimeter, you can extend the deadline, or you can just leave and leave people to their own fate. And yeah, that um, was a good question. And then they got an. I think uh, the Secretary of Defense answered, attempted to answer, and the reporter, a female, said, you didn't answer my question. You didn't answer my question. Right. And they, yeah, they're and finally then, acting like reporters. It, it, again, it's a little bit odd to see, right, after all these months of, yeah. of, of yeah. doing bobblehead stuff. Uh, your thoughts on, again, you know, our lack of, ca- our lack of, capab- yeah. <laughs> lack of capability to expand the perimeter, you know, or, geez, we, we don't know if we can extend the deadline because the Taliban won't let us. Right. You know, or the just Sec-Def leave. And the chief, the SecDef and the chief of staff both said, I'm not answering that email. <laughs> right. I'm just going to keep saying the same dumb thing over and over again. No yeah, one could interesting. have seen what happened. Blah, blah, blah. It's interesting that, you know, the reporter – 
lays out courses of action as if, you know, she's a saw graduate. Yeah. And so I'm, I heard her saying that and it, one, I either give her great credit for studying her trade or two, I'm wondering who's feeding her that. Yep, you know? Yeah, exactly. Some disgruntled staff officer that also thinks we're being, because we're not going to go get people feeds. Hey, here's the courses of action that we could do. We could expand the perimeter. We could, you know, build a corridor, uh, et cetera. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who, some guy sounds like this. Hey, sweetheart, ask him this question. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, then it, uh, it, just uh, kidding. There. It, uh, you know, and then no capability to extend operations. So obviously that is a very strict talking point that's been put down from on high. This idea of no capability to extend operation or expand mm-hmm. Or extend operations. So, uh, you know, and Mac, you missed one thing. They asked him about the retrograde. Weren't we, did we regret not starting earlier, et cetera? And that's when the SecDef uh, basically patted everyone on the back and said, we did everything right in planning. Right. This. It, that was constant. We did no everything right in better. planning. Um, so, yeah. Timmy, you're muted again because you keep typing. You have any thoughts on that? No. no. Uh, they're they're trying to explain away their incompetence and malfeasance, and it was an ugly thing to watch if you knew what you were looking at. They were messaging, in my opinion, clearly the American voting public, which with whom they are uh, out of sorts, and anybody who knows anything remotely uh, professional about militaries could listen to their explanations and know for a fact they are lies. They weren't even remotely connected to any kind of objective truth. We can't go out and get those people. The Brits are. No, 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 they're not. Uh, we don't know that. I mean, this is ridiculous. And it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's painful to watch. You would yeah, think we were better served. Not like the chief started talking about ECPs, you know, like, yeah. You know, in, in the, the face of, the, of those the, questions, that's a, ridiculous. Oh, we have ECPs. Good, three ECPs. Yeah, one, one, one twenty to one twenty to one forty at the North Gate, three hundred to three forty yeah. something like that at the South Gate. But again, that's the way you do a press conference, right? They ask you a yeah. question, and then you and you give the answer to the question you want to talk about, and you ignore the rest. And hopefully, they don't do what that female reporter did in public which is yeah you didn't answer my question right Right. which is embarrassing next question was why leave bagram and uh you know and the chairman uh says that uh that uh general mckenzie and then general miller who before he turned over afghanistan to um general mckenzie uh had come up with this plan which they accepted, which essentially said you need too many troops um, because the question is is framed. You have two runways at, at Bagram, and you have the ability to, to, to keep that thing secure. And, uh, and then Millie says, just kind of going down the list, uh, we couldn't uh, both have the same level of risk associated with them, right? Bagram yeah. takes a much bigger security footprint to secure. And uh, so given that, 
and our number, which was self-imposed, right? We decided to yeah. do, you know, to to do the Kabul International Airport, and knowing that we had to do the the embassy too. And so, just sitting there listening to it, going, "There you have it, right? There you have yeah, it." Yeah. Well, the other thing too, the constraint I heard was six hundred total troops, which is absolutely laughable when you say that we did everything right in planning and we were planning on this neo and the idea that you were going to have 600 total uniforms in there to do the embassy and a potential uh neo point uh, it's beyond laughable and then yeah exactly do you you think do you think he misspoke because you hear that number and you're like what is he talking about? 600 yeah. to secure what? Yeah. yeah. So, and then, yeah, it was nice, though, that, again, if you are if you know anything, you can hear through it. But the average reporter and the average American doesn't know. But he lays the blame. This is the plan we got from CENTCOM and General Miller. Well, what he didn't say is, here's a constraint we put on him. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't hear what the real plan was to do things. It says, look. You're going to have three people. What can you do with three? Oh, well, we can't do much. Okay, well, that's their plan. Yeah. And, and you missed one quote, though. The first part of that question was about all these airplanes that have been flown to, to third countries right. by, yeah. by Afghan pilots. And and so the, they asked them, uh, you know, are we doing anything about those? And the secretary, I think it was the secretary, said, you know, we don't have – fidelity on those numbers and then item two was we're focused on the mission mission at hand so we're not doing anything about that right now so uh i don't know if everything that's in those kind of aircraft whatever they might be is in open source reporting but i got a feeling when you fly something to uzbekistan it's likely that our adversaries are going to pick that thing apart and so Hopefully that that's just BS, that we're not doing anything about that right now. But I don't know how to take these guys sometimes. And if the actual answer is we can't walk and chew gum at the same time, that we've got to be totally focused on doing this at the Kabul airport. So we can't worry about, I don't know, Russian nuclear weapons or highly sophisticated U.S. Right. aircraft being flown to third countries well, at the same time. I mean, well, that's like the question the reporter said, should have well, asked. Is it so in that? Uh, right. But they let it go. She so. said it. Her last her last question, her last t- part of that question was, or are you just on the Taliban to get all our people in and, and uh, you know, get our stuff back and all this not get our stuff there, but get all our people in that we want to evacuate. And that's the answer is absolutely yes. And how are they making sure that happens? We're on our knees begging. And they'll probably give them money. They'll probably bribe them. And, and they won't stay bribed for very long. It'll be a never-ending uh, you know, payoff. And that, does, then that sounds like shit, so they'll never say it on the news, not right away. Got it. Timmy, any thoughts? You know... When we got that embassy in 2001, Assad Khan went and grabbed it, and he grabbed it from Bagram with putting his Marines in buses. And if they, as they were driving on the back road, they came across a washed-out bridge with a little wadi with a tank sitting there, and the tanks turns 
sort of cranking around the point of them. And Khan, who was a, 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 I think he spoke Dari, but he was an Urdu speaker. He got out, locks on the hatch, the old man opens it up. He asks him what's going on. The guy says, yeah, I, I need to charge you a toll or something. I don't have any money. And, and he looked, he goes, you don't have any shoes either. So how about I hook you up? Why don't you just go ahead and just leave the tank and we're going to go to get the embassy. And he took this cat to the embassy with him. And the Marines went in there, they seized the embassy and secured the thing. And uh, that's the kind of crap I like thinking about is when we just go and do something that we know has got to be done and we yeah, do it my in son, force. My son Nick was in on that thing. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. And and so time. so we've got we've gone from moving a Marine battalion and rental buses in Afghanistan because we didn't really know what was going on uh, to this kind of risk avoidance where our allies are just throwing it right back in our face by going and doing what needs to be done. And that, of course, opens up the opportunity for many uh, uh, different actors to come in and do what needs to be done instead of the military. And that's that's already happening. And it's uh, it's it's just so ridiculous and, and embarrassing to even contemplate. Uh, Dan Lamoth of The Washington Post asked, asked the next question, who's uh, who's been on this program a number of times. But he he, he goes back to Bagram. Right. And and wants a more detailed explanation of, again, two runways. They're going to retake it. Yeah. Two runways. And um, and then I think Millie says, I won't talk about future operations. Right. Uh, he, yeah. He, he branches and sequels. Yeah. yeah so and, any, any thoughts on that? I mean, that's more of the same. And then and then I would offer up to you. Then the last question was Taliban offensive began began weeks ago. Why didn't you act sooner? Right. And let me tell you, it's not a real um, bullshit session with the talking heads of the DOD unless somebody says these words. It's a very dynamic situation. Okay, (laughs) it's that boilerplate bullshit. Right. Is is once you once somebody said that. Right. It's like, all right, it's official. This is a press conference. Okay. And yeah. is so, this when Austin said that, you know, we've reinforced to the Taliban and maybe there have been some unfortunate incidents? Yes, yes. He did say so that. Unfortunate incidents are when people get murdered. Uh, that's a very nice news speak. And the, when we say we've reinforced to the Taliban, what that means is we, the greatest the greatest country in the history of the world with the most capable military in the history of the world are begging some ragtag bunch to allow some Americans who we are pledged to defend to come through their lines without being molested. That's what it says when we said we've reinforced to the Taliban. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunate incidents. No, those are people being murdered and raped. That's an unfortunate. An unfortunate incident is when your paper gets delivered to the to your neighbor instead of you. Or the humidity on the East Coast doesn't cooperate with your son's wedding. That's an unfortunate <laughs> incident, right? No, that's predictable. You should know that. It is Annapolis, <laughs> and it's August. That's not unfortunate. Hey, 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 look. They only had, but, two, but, they only had two years to plan it, okay? I mean, how, how disgusting, though, that the Secretary of Defense uses this newspeak. Look, 
What's happening outside that perimeter, one, we don't actually know a lot of it, but, um, you know, I won't use their words that no one could see what might be happening out there. I, no, I can tell you what's happening out there is murder, rape, extortion, and mayhem. And we called an unfortunate incident, and so we're just going to work with the Taliban, who you know are very uh, above-board actors that we've had very good relations with them for the last 20 years as we've tried to kill them and they've tried to kill us. God damn it. All right, final, final thoughts now that everybody's got to go to therapy this morning. Um <laughs> To me, uh, you you can retain the non-Nightingale pose. Uh, final thought on uh, either anything that came out of the press conference or, um, or well, hold on. You have a little bit of breaking news that, that you got since we began this. So why don't you do that? And then, and then after you conclude that, we'll see if anybody wants to comment, and then you can make a final comment. So. Roger. Yeah. So uh, day four of trying to get uh, American citizens through the gate unsuccessful again today. I've got right now uh, untold number of families who are communication with me that are outside of that eastern gate and unable to, to get in. There are at least two groups of former special forces guys who are in Dubai coordinating their interpreters who are going out and single handedly guiding families in. There are maybe 50 different organizations raising money to do that, all of whom, all of whom are fraudulent. So um, this is this is horrible. Now you have individual citizens going out and doing what the Marines should be doing. And you've got people who have raised over a million dollars to, to get an airplane in there to get to get people who are SIV applicants and P1 applicants already processed to get them out. And, and and this, I mean, we've described the incompetence of what's going on outside of the processing system. Inside the processing system is still broke. I mean, I've been up almost all night in active communication with, with congressional aides, with guys in Dubai, with old special forces guys I know, and people on the ground. And it is, it's, it's still, we're not getting enough people out. And I don't, and, and we're not going to be able to do this for much longer. They, and that's my. And, and to, so they can't get to the gate because the Taliban are keeping them from the gate. No, 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 no. Because of the crowds, they're using tear gas to keep them back. That, that you've got a, thousands of people between the Taliban and that gate crammed in there, families and all, all of whom think that they rate coming in. Most of him probably do not, and they're not being able to sort them out. And 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 so what they're attempting to do with these volunteer former SF troops is is at least get people who. The gate guards see when I see this Afghan coming, he's leading in American citizens. That seems to have worked in at least one occasion. But there's other people frantically trying to get in. There's Americans going across the border to try to reach their 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 uh, their former people and bring them in. And and it, <laughs> this is only going to get worse. They keep on doing this. There's going to be more and more of those Americans going in there because they can't live with themselves if they don't. <sighs> it's just fucked. All right, <clears throat> Jeff, final comment on today? Yeah, I'm just waiting for the next, uh, I mean, you know, the next piece of information that's that's reliable. Um, this thing is, a, it's a slow motion train wreck. I hate using that cliche, but it's almost kind of like looking forward 
to you know hitting up you know the looking at the internet for the, your favorite you know most trusted news and seeing what's what's coming up next i, I just have to say i you know um, like i said before that we were inshallah we're doing the inshallah philosophy of planning you know well you know we can't do anything like that we'll just hope it goes good it's insane you know that's my thoughts yeah. the uh will final thought uh yeah i was struck by when i listened uh to the secretary and the chairman speak um they use a lot of army talk you know aar branch and sequel and uh and it's uh, it j- I got to tell you, it just it just comes off wrong to me. And that's not an inner service thing. It's that, you, you know, you're in a historic moment right now. You are you are the man in that circle that that the light is being shined on and their inability to um communicate is it's one the situation is completely horrible uh, uh and it, and it's a it's a creature of their creation uh and the administration has been so schizophrenic uh with what the president has said about this what their own press secretary kirby said last week you know kabul's not in imminent danger uh and you, you would you would think that after all those years of service and rising to the top of the organization, that someone would just man up and say enough of this crap. Um, but they're not up to it. Neither the secretary or the chairman. They're they're just not up to it. And uh, and it it says something about the degradation of the military as an institution for this country. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to draw too straight a line from one press conference to the demise of the entire nation. But goddamn, this is descriptive of just really bad things. And, uh, you know, but Will, I, I, if I could interject, right, when those of us who were there, we saw the state of the Afghan military. And we asked questions, and then we saw what got delivered to the American people on TV. And you're sitting there, and you just shake your head. Yeah. Like, like and, and again, and Jeff said it when 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 they're when we're there or when they're supported, right? They'll fight. But when yeah. they're but when they're not, you know, it's a different story. And 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 and, if, and so to me, this level of leadership has led to this moment. And what you're seeing on TV is simply the continuation of the buffing and shining of bullshit, but they can't do it anymore. As that, as that female reporter said, the audio and the video aren't matching up. And you're right. standing out here and you're doing the same song and dance. And now the media that has been so sympathetic to this administration, the media has even had enough of it and they can't bluff it anymore. Yeah, But it's in and, my and opinion, would, it's the same shit. I, I, I'm, I'm, and again, we're not there. Right. We know some of these guys. I actually don't know them well. Um, 
and you, you can't project in, in there. But I would hope that there's some really, really, really unhappy Marine officers there that are on the verge of mutiny. The idea that those are Americans that we're pledged to, and they're right over there, and we're afraid to go get them. Um, that's troubling. So we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I'd be interested to see when guys get home what the back channel is. Right. Anyways, yeah, horrible. All right, Jeff. Final thought. Oh, that was my final thought before, and I'm, I'm, uh, just kind of like I don't. I think there's some big incidents that are going to happen here in the next couple of days. Got it. All right. All right, boys. First of all, thank you for doing this and uh, getting up and doing this. Uh, I've tried to forward you all the uh, all the uh, emails I've gotten. There are a bunch of that I've received, but uh, people, um, I think, are very, very appreciative of us trying to explain different things uh, as we do and then, and then calling questions to other things that we simply don't understand. So I uh, just want to uh, thank you guys for doing this. And... Uh, and uh, I will uh, talk to you tomorrow. So, uh, hey, hey, quick save round. Yep. Okay. There's a lot of people asking for money to get Afghans out. The only charity I would give money to is No One Left Behind. Everything else is questionable, and there's a lot of them springing up. Got it. No yeah. One Left Behind is, What's, is a do you place have, to donate. Do you have money. the website uh, address for that? I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you on, on the notes. That way you can. No, 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 just so anybody listening knows, can you look it up right. real quick? Yeah, 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 doing it right now. All right. Yeah, Mac, yeah, thanks for doing all this week, but you need to hire a new radio engineer. Right. <laughs> hey, dude, it's expeditionary, all right? It can't all be like we're anchored in Kansas City, okay? All right, are you going to tell me about AAR and branches and sequels? No, I'm not. I'm just going yeah, to tell you. Sometimes when you're expeditionary, it can't go the way you want it to be. So you have to adapt and overcome. Exactly. No one no one could have foreseen this. They That's right. Have done no better. one could have no, foreseen No, some sometimes you have to make adjustments. That's the way it I is. I this guy, Mac. Hire Mac to speak for Millie because Millie can't do it. Oh, fuck. Listen to you, the the defender of the army. Go ahead. (laughs) Nooneleft.org. One word. Nooneleft.org is the website Timmy was talking about. All right. All right. On that note, right, I'm done with these disgruntled shitheads. All right. These these ungrateful (laughs) disgruntled shitheads after I just delivered them a compliment. Just so, just so everybody knows, I made all those compliments up. Okay, nobody really sent them in. Okay, in a, in a ruse to get these rubes to continue to do just as I suspected. <laughs> just as I suspected. All right, boys, thank you. Take care, Matt. See ya. That'll do it on this Friday. We'll be back tomorrow, though. And uh, if necessary, on on Sunday, if there are major events going on, we're happy to uh, perform the service we perform, which is to lend our experience uh, 
and our secret decoder rings to whatever we can, whatever we see in the, you know, that's being written in, and what people are wrestling with. So, um, have a great weekend. Uh, as I said, we'll be back tomorrow um, on this Friday. Uh, make sure you uh, keep the soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines that are in Kandahar or, and supporting this mission. Make sure you keep them uh, and your family in your thoughts and in your prayers. And uh, also for the Afghan people that have worked for us and are trying to get to that airport, keep them in your thoughts and prayers. And hopefully, the people that are running this thing will evolve this thing into a win, um, into something good. It certainly has not uh, gotten off on solid legs. And so, uh, hopefully... They'll be able to uh, to make this thing better, and to uh, so that we do the right thing as a nation by the people that have stood by us. So, <clears throat> say a prayer for their moral courage and their um, and a stiffening of their spine. So, with that said, I'm Mike McNamara, the Submarine Radio. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow.